When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome into another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. And uh, Bob, you're always better dressed than me. I think I need to step up my wardrobe, but I'm I'm home. I just feel more comfortable. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm just ready to go out. I got I got stuff to do today. You know, I, I, <laughs> I get up uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, do a little uh, little exercise, and come back, have breakfast, get ready, uh, prep prep for the show today, and uh, get dressed, shower, you know, the whole thing, and. I'm going to, I'm ready for the day. <laughs> good. You look good. I've been gone for, for two weeks yeah. now. Um, got back home two days ago, still kind of off because of the, the West coast mm-hmm. time difference and just running around. I think it was in nine beds, nine different, whether it was hotel room or my, I started down the Cape at my parents <laughs> place for a couple of days, nine different uh, beds oh, in 14 oh, days. No, that's crazy. That's tough. I'm that's too old for that crap. I'm crazy. too I'm too old for you know, it. Right I remember now. the first time I ever had a sensation, uh, my first year covering the Celtics, and uh, that we got on the road, and uh, it was an extensive road trip, and I woke up one morning, and honest to God, I remember saying, where am I? And, you know, that, that everyone can relate to that that travels. I think everyone who does our job or any similar job, any salesman out there, uh, you know, uh, they know this. But that was I was 24 years old. And it was the first time I ever had it. it was Philadelphia was the answer. All right. But uh, I remember it was the Warwick Hotel in Philadelphia. But I woke up and said, where am I? I, I have I couldn't. You know, that was a strange sensation. See, I do all the, you know, when, when you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you get up, you can't see anything, and you try yeah. to remember which way it was. And yeah, the bathroom's have, in different spots in every hotel. And you don't want to bang your foot against the bed either. Then have that, 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 you know, so anyway. Anyway, yes. So, so uh, I've been anchored. I haven't been going anywhere. Um, we're going to New Orleans, though, tomorrow, my, my wife and I, for the, the uh, college football uh, uh, week, uh, weekend playoff. Play nice. Play. Yeah, very so, very nice. Yeah, so you'll you'll go to the you'll go to the game. You'll I'm you'll spend some the time. I'm, I'm there socializing with uh, my uh, col- uh, writer colleagues and sh- chaperoning my wife, who goes there and socializes with the great Dick Weiss's wife, uh, Joni Williamson. And we've been doing this. You know, I've been doing this. Going to this game, even though I don't go. The last I did go to one of them, but I haven't gone to a game in a while. But I do go to the city for the most part. And New Orleans is what is my official favorite domestic destination. And I haven't been there. In a Hard place. to argue. I, I've said, I listen, some people Final Four. don't like it, but I love it. I think I once wrote that every major sporting event, including all high school state championships in all 50 states, should be held in New Orleans. <laughs> the old, listen, the only problem with that, Bob, is it never closes. So it makes it yeah. difficult if you stay out till 3 a.m. to get yeah, up at 7 or 8. I did once have an all nighter. I literally, you did? Really? 
in which I went directly from the, the, the bar to the airport uh, in New Orleans, which you can do. Uh, I, I had some friends down there that they kept me up all night. And and, they, and I remember I was going to New York. I was covering an NIT game. It was, and and uh, uh, they had to shake me and wake me when the plane landed in, in LaGuardia. Sir, sir, sir. I was, I, <laughs> plane landed, I didn't even know. I was out. That sounds like Bob Huggins' life anywhere, the all-nighters. He used to, <laughs> he used to roll in to ABCD camp in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, often what looked like straight from the, the bar in New York City uh, the previous night. He and Andy Kennedy uh, used oh. to roll in, and, and it looked like they came straight from the bar. I, I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> sure. You know, a city I had, I had never been to, Bob, before this past week, I had never been not only to a University of Washington game, I had never been to the city of Seattle, which most people found crazy. Um, you know, I used to, I would see Washington on the road, whatever. And obviously they haven't had an NBA team for uh, a number of years now. Uh, great, great city. I don't know how much you, how much time you spent in Seattle over the course of your life. It's one of my five favorite American destinations. Yeah. I love Seattle. It's a great eating and drinking town. Uh, in the summer, it's gorgeous, you know, now, uh, in, in the winter, you know, it, it rains, there's no doubt, you know, and it, that's part of the deal. But no, I, I was fortunate enough to go there for both uh, the NBA and, uh, and uh, baseball, as well as the Final Four in uh, 1995. I remember walking into the kingdom, and the word was that big country had just broken the backboard. You know, I don't know if you <laughs> heard that story. It's true. In one in, in big country. Uh, had broken the backboard for yeah, and uh, but Seattle absolutely is one of my favorite cities. I recommend it highly to anybody, particularly in in the you know in the nice weather months. Of course, was it more um, entertaining the city of Seattle than having to watch Virginia basketball last night? Well, I was enjoying the game as a Boston College alumnus, uh, okay. and and going to the game with the, with uh, macabre humor. Uh, we were talking before the game, and I uh, said the official over-under for BC points was 40. And my friend Kenny Pavlak from AP said, no, 39. And and I was sitting next to my great friend Joe Sullivan, the retired sports editor of the Boston Globe, who uh, it still writes up basketball uh, you know, stuff for the Globe because he loves college basketball. The only guy, by the way, the only editor I ever worked for in 44 years who knew more and probably liked college basketball even more than I did. That was hard to do, but this guy does. Anyway, we all agreed that we were there for a, you know, you were just there out of duty. You know, yes, and there's yes. no way BC's is up. There's, and, and there's no possibility they're winning the game. Their best player is not playing Thornton, you know, the transfer from Southern yep. Cal. And Mitchell, the another kid, is a doubtful starter. And they've already lost their best player for the year, Winton Tabs, who have been a great the sophomore. Guy. Anyway, so they're going, you know, it's just, we were just there, there to see Virginia. And, you know, maybe to introduce myself to Tony Bennett, which I, who I have not met, and so forth. Well, we saw one of those things is why you're a sports fan. And this is, I, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox now for all those people out there that skew sports and don't have sports in their repertoire of entertainment options, you know, which would include reading and film and theater and art and music and a whole bit, you know, but sport should be part of it because it provides you with a sensation unavailable in all those other, and we had it there last night. BC won the game. Nobody was expect. nobody on earth, nobody. maybe Jim Christian, although I doubt it, maybe the players, although who knows, but nobody thought that we were there for any other reason than to pay homage to the reigning national champions and be loyal to the old alma mater or the boy, you know, or whatever. 
It was a good basketball game. BC played their ass off. They gave up no second shots. They they attacked the defensive boards uh, ferociously all night long. It was a good game. BC dominated the game except for yeah. one stretch, Jeff. They get up 52 to 40 on a on a banked three-pointer. And that's when okay. Joe Selvin said, oh, my God, you know, this is an omen, right? Yeah, When you're banking in three-pointers by mistake, maybe it's your night. Fix yeah. it 52 to 40, at which point Virginia answers with a 20 to 3 run. Okay. So now we're saying, oh, you know, reality so, is set in. Yeah. It's BC, good game, guys, but, you know, it's over. They came back. BC straightened up, pulled up, hitched up the old belt, came back, was 53-53, and in uh, a penetration feed by Jeff Heath to the Hamilton, Jared Hamilton in the left corner, bang, puts him up by three. They, they then D up. They make the free throws, right? You got to make those free throws in college, those crucial. They made them, and they won the game. Who knew? Was a- All right, so my big, my big question to you as a BC alum now becomes, listen, number one, let me preface this question with the fact that Virginia is not a typical Virginia team right now. I mean, they lost everything from last year. Um, the guys back here, Clark, can't and, score. and Keys, yeah, they, Keys they, back, they, and he's good. But they just can't score, though. They don't have enough. This is. I remember talking to Tony um, in the offseason in Charlottesville. And I said to him, the, the preseason publications had just come out. And I said, hey, Tony. And every year he downplays his team. Every single year in the offseason. He's one of those, we're not as good as people think, blah, blah, blah. And I said, uh, Tony, you know, a lot of people have you ranked like 9 or 10. He looked at me. It's like 9 or 10. And then like 10 minutes later in the conversation, he just looked at me. He goes, 9? And I said, yeah, yeah, they have you 9 because, again, because of you. That's why they have you at nine is because of you and they, they, they value your coaching ability. And that's, I had them at about 16, which was obviously too high as well. Um, yeah, they lost everything. They lost Ty Jerome, who I actually saw on my trip. He's playing with the Suns, Kyle guys in the G league, Deandre hunters, you know, a top five pick. Um, you know, they got a couple good players back, but they don't have enough offense. They can oh, still yeah. guard Bob, but they can't score. They just can't score the ball. They, so they were three for sixteen, I think, on threes. Yeah. And that's them right now. Yeah. They're 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 gonna be they're gonna be fortunate to get to the NCAA tournament this year, to be honest. No, they're not that good, but it was you know, so but it was a fun you you I you, we don't have to go chapter and verse about the the, the Christian era at BC and, and their incredibly awful record against ranked teams and so forth. Does this change your thought on Jim Christian, whether he is the right man for the job, or are you ready to say, hey, Let's turn the next. Let, let's let's flip it to the next chapter With here. BC respect to we know he's a nice man. Uh, you know, yes. and I, I bet, okay. Here's what I was thinking. That I was thinking there are people who are thinking, and I'm think and I'm wondering, am I actually one of these people who are thinking what I think that I know these other people are thinking, which is, oh no, we win the game. It's only going to bolster his candidacy to keep the job when we know he's got to go. <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to not win the game. I mean, obviously, but then you think, oh my God, is this gonna is this gonna sway Martin Jamont, the AD, that 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 they, they, he doesn't need to make a change? You know, all I know is this: it was a wonderfully fun night at the old arena, a good house. Thanks God. Was it? Yeah, very raucous, good house. Lots of Virginia fans, I must say. I will, uh, you know, which was fine. Uh, it, it made it a fun college atmosphere, which we don't have enough 
often enough at BC now, as you know. We've had it many times in the past, but in the last couple of years, no. And for good reason. They have not delivered the goods. But last night, those kids, I'm telling you, I was so proud of them. They played so hard. Yep. And yep. and they did. And they and they didn't play dumb. They played smart. They didn't do dumb fouls. They didn't they did everything they needed to do to to do to accomplish what they accomplished. Okay. And I thought the most heartwarming thing was after giving up a 20 to three run to Virginia, you know, and you know, they, they didn't put their heads down. They, they came back. That was the best part of the whole thing. Can I give you a potential name for Boston yeah. college? If Tim Christian does, th this is going to take a couple things happening, but I'm going to throw out a name. I'm not sure if it works completely. Uh, but if Jim Christian doesn't make it beyond this year, and if Shaka smart doesn't make it at Texas, could Shaka smart, be in Boston College next year. Would he? And view I know. That, I, I saw the look in your eye just now. But not because would he view that as a you know a prestigious enough destination academically? Uh, and, you know, right now where they are, it's not good. When they entered the ACC in, in 2006, it was with one of the two or three best teams in the BC history, in my opinion. Now, I've seen every BC team since 1964-65. Okay, and and so just in that point of time, I think that the the, the they've had. Some pretty deep. They've had nationally ten top ten. Literally, at the end of the season, they've had top ten teams. I know it's hard for some people to believe it now, but but that's the case. They entered the the, the team that with Dudley and Smith and and uh, you know they they figured out Al Skinner's flex better than any group that he had. Tightest flex ever. Right. It was they they could play their offense in a phone booth. You know. Well, they figured it out, and and they at the end of the year they they took Duke to a two point game in the ACC final. They beat Carolina during the year. They they uh, they won two games in the tournament. They had fifteen point lead on Villanova, and and then lost eventually in overtime on an inbounds pass in Minneapolis. Of course, the next game would have been Florida. So the journey the, the journey would have ended. But still, that anyway, they were good. They had some really good, good teams. Al Skinner had good teams. Jimmy O'Brien had a terrific team that went to the Final Eight in 1994. They had another team in 97 that won the that just rolled through the Big East. Rolled through the Big East. Got upset. I thought upset by Bill St. Joe's. Anyway, anyway. It can be done. I know times change. Now, you tell me. No, I want you to sober me up. Say, Bob, Bob, wake up. It's 2020. And you know, can it be done at BC the way it has been done in the past, given the uh, climate they, of college basketball now? So, okay, it, it can be done. Um, I, I think what they have to do is they have to um, they have to increase their investment. They, they have to add some of the bells and whistles that kids actually value these days to get Such some bad. of these kids. Now, again, it's not like Al got – nobody wanted Jared Dudley. Nobody – Craig Smith, when he came to Worcester Academy, was fat and overweight and didn't look the part. And, you know, Troy Bell was under-recruited. And you can go through the list. Tyrese Rice. They're going to so, retire his jersey that, that they announced yesterday. Troy Bell's going to get a jersey. Nice, nice. Very she cool. Which he should. Yeah, I mean, they've had some great players. but But, again, to sustain it. To sustain it long term, and and it's hard in the ACC now. They were they were better served, obviously, in the Big East. But you know, you go into their practice facility; it, it's not what other teams have right now. Um, you go to games; the atmosphere, other than Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, and maybe a Virginia, isn't. It's a pro sports town, so it's fleeting. Unless they have success, and even even when BC was nineteen and zero. You know, 10 years or so. Right, right. We're still on page eight of the Boston Globe, um, even with Joe Sullivan as a sports editor. You know? Well, you know, Exhibit A, this game, 
was on page I think C uh, seven of the sports. Yeah. Nice story, yeah. Julian Benbow. We you know was a nice story. I didn't see the Herald yet. I have it, but I haven't read it yet. But um, um, it, it's you know the, the they can't compete with. Tom Brady's future. They can't compete with the Celtics. They can't. The Red Sox Stein stealing. They can't compete with with the Bruins ending a, a skid with a big win in Nashville. With you know, they're you got to keep turning that page to find the BC game, which is not. So Shaka Smart's wife, by the way, went to Harvard. Oh, that's the other. That's my other kind of just nugget that again. If something else opened up that was better, you know, Shaka was an assistant for Oliver Purnell at Clemson, and Brad Brunell at Clemson right now is probably in a little bit of trouble. So would Shaka take Clemson over Boston College? Probably, probably. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that's a name to uh, look yeah, at I, if, look if at, the dominoes fall. That's I'll, all. Keep I'll, it back there. I'll file that back there. But, you know, anyway, John, people don't – I know people out there have heard enough of this BC talk, I can tell you. So I'm not, I'm not going to blame it anymore. It's just, but just to say that this – here's the, the, the bigger picture, the global, the universal picture, folks, was that I, I walked into a circumstance expecting a dreary, drudgery result, and we got a big bonus. And the point of this story is it can happen anywhere at any time. Just ask uh, Evansville fans – yeah, uh, that's right. Yes, Wofford fans. You know, yep. wink, wink. Uh, oh, absolutely. It can happen, and you don't know, and it's what makes being a sports fan such a, a, a fun experience. All right, let's move on a little NBA. Uh, and the, the headline, I guess, there, there were a bunch of good stuff in, in the last week or so, but uh, Anthony Davis, AD, um, declined uh, a, a max offer from, yeah. from the Lakers. Four years, $146 million. He'll become an unrestricted free agent uh, at the end of the season. Um, I'm sure this is uh, whatever Rich Paul, his his fairly new agent, has told him to do, he'll do. And this will make him eligible, uh, I believe, uh, in July for a five-year, $200-plus million deal. I, I don't think, Bob, anybody feels like Anthony Davis is going to go anywhere. He's in L.A. now. It's, it's yeah. the right market to be in. He's with um, Rich Paul's buddy, LeBron. <laughs> Yeah. So as long as LeBron's there and healthy, there's no reason to Except, think that there's any chance at eighty. Five is thirty-five, and 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 in the week we're going to talk about LeBron, of course, and and they, they made the great year that he is having, yeah. and, and as he cements his eternal you know status as a legacy, his legacy in that. But uh, still, uh, AD's full ten years younger and got a whole different career at him. So. I don't know how much of this is going to be tied. To, any decision he makes is tied to whether you know to LeBron. But once again, it's L.A. and you know, and you know, where's he going to go? Yeah, ben, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to denigrate any other city, so I'm not going to do that. But you know, there are places that are less desirable places to live. Let's just put it that way. You know, for a guy that has every, a guy that has an option, you know, and has the world at his feet, as it were, you know, yep. in this regard. Uh, we got to talk about what happened last night, though, because on the same day that he, or, or within 24 hours or so of declining the offer, uh, something, you know, you know, scary happened. Which is he's guarding uh, Julian Julius Randle, trying to block a shot and takes a fall. And I'm going to read the official explanation, uh, Mr. Goodman, which is that okay. as a bruise sacrum, that's S-A-C-R-U-M, which is the bottom part of the spine above the tailbone. Now, I, you know, and he was went, he was pounding the floor, quote unquote, in pain. You know, uh, x-rays were negative. So he may just have a major owie, you know, for a while and no long-term consequence. I can tell you something, though. I, I can personalize this in a way you'll never believe. Okay. You, had a, you had a bruised sacrum? 
many, 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 many years ago, we were living in an apartment in Norwood, Massachusetts, a second floor apartment in a, in a house. Okay. And I went down the back stairs and I fell. I slipped in the ice, the ice and fell on my ASS. And I hit the coccyx, the bone. I hurt for over two years. <laughs> two not, years? Not, not terribly. But it was uh, it was annoying me to for that long. <laughs> so at the very least, he's going to be irritated. He's going to have an irritation for a while. I suspect. I mean, I'm just telling you. All right. Here, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say about if if this were Anthony Davis four or five years ago, I, I'd be concerned because he was so thin. He was so <laughs> fragile at that point. Now I feel like Anthony Davis, who's from Chicago. I think he's inherently a tough kid underneath it all. He's bigger. He's stronger. I always worried about, honestly, the longevity of his career early on because, again, just that, that body build, like KD. You just kind of worry with that body build, yes. the pounding, especially now that AD's starting to go in the paint a little bit more and kind of impose his will and his strength on other big men. Um, so I don't, I don't worry about AD anymore. I think he's a guy too, Bob, that even when LeBron's time has come, I think other players are going to want to go to L.A. to play with Anthony Davis. I think he's going to have that type of aura about him. I think he's just – he's one of those kids, and he's not a kid anymore, but um, I, I've seen him since he was 15 years old. One of those kids that you just love to be around. He's just – he's real. Um, there's not a huge ego there's not a big posse. It's the unibrow kind of thing, too. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't That's care. Fun. He has fun with the unibrow thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah, He can poke That's fun right. at himself. So I, I'm a big AD guy, and I think if they can keep this thing together, you know, listen, can they win a couple titles? And, and if LeBron can win a couple more, then this, then this big battle between MJ and, and LeBron might be real. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, I love that topic. I, I can't get enough of that topic. Um, and, and yeah, hey, right now, assuming he recovers, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And let's face it, they're, they're in the mix. They're, there's every reason to think they can be, you know, holding up that, that Larry O'Brien trophy. You know, they're one of the half, half a dozen teams that maybe has to do that. Now, here's the immediate future for them, by the way. At Dallas, at OKC, home with Cleveland, home with Orlando. And then the weekend following is very interesting. Saturday night, the 18th at Houston. And yep. Sunday, Monday the 20th, Boston. They're not saying how long he's going to be out. Um, it's it, But, you know, this is some this is potential L's there without him. That's for sure. Does it know? matter? No. Robert, no. does it, does it I, matter I, at this okay, point? Okay, all right. Thank, all right, we can, this is another topic we should reserve for. Well, seriously, I want to have this okay. discussion. We don't need to have it today. But I am a big believer in the sanctity of the regular season. It's essential for the dignity and respect and, 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 and the uh, viability of professional sports to, to, to uh, have, make, have meaning in the regular season. I don't want to hear about it. It only matters in the, in the playoffs and all that. I'm sorry. So I know what you're saying. No, in the big picture, no. As long as you get in the tournament, you know, you're fine. Yeah, I understand that. But I really believe that the regular season, some paying customers. Now, we know that the people in Dallas are not going to get to see Anthony Davis. He's definitely not playing, right, right. Uh, Friday night. I don't That's think. Right. He's stunned. Okay. Wait, so, wait, which, which leads me to my other uh, question right now. Yes. Uh, yes. Dallas. I'm ready. Luca. Yes. Uh, the Lakers. LeBron. Yes. Year two. Let me let me read you some numbers. I'm gonna read you some numbers here. I'm gonna see okay? if you're using the right numbers because I got some numbers too. All right. They All were right. both Go. 20 years old. Both 20 years old in year two. Okay. okay. 
Yeah. Luca uh, averaging 29.7 points right now to LeBron's 27.2. Luca, the edge in rebounds, 9.7, almost 10 a game. LeBron, 7.5. Luca, assists, 8.9. LeBron, 7.2. Luca, <laughs> shooting about the same. They both shot about 47% from the field. Luca's shooting 33 from three. LeBron, believe it or not, shot 35 from three year two, which surprised me a little bit. Uh, Luca, the better free throw shooter at 80 compared to 75. And most importantly, most importantly, Luca <laughs> and the Dallas Mavericks are 10 games over 500 right now when uh, LeBron and Cleveland were two games over 500 at 41 and 39 that season. Who's better? Um, well, I just one other interesting uh, minutes. LeBron uh, was playing 42, and Luca to get these numbers was is playing 33. So oh, prorated, he's th- that's pretty impressive, isn't it? For all the it numbers. is, and the the game. This numbers. I, what I want to ask you, because I think this is important, is putting the context of how the game has changed and trying to evaluate maybe who was better at the same stage. Obviously, they're they're different, but they are similar in the sense that the two of them can just make plays for themselves, for others. They're big, they're strong. LeBron was bigger and stronger and more athletic, um, but they're both a pleasure to watch. I mean, you're, you're splitting hairs here. I'm a, I'm a, look, I'm a, I'm a LeBron fan. I yep. love watching LeBron. I've always yeah. loved watching LeBron play. I'll never forget the first time I saw LeBron in person, which was uh, I, I eschewed the games. I refused to watch the games on TV when he was at St. Pitts and St. Mary. I was, I, I was just appalled by the hype, you know, and, and the whole thing. And I said at the time I wrote this, I said, I've seen every great player for the last 50 years. I'll wait. I'll, you know, I'll wait. And I, for this kid. now, of course, the number is up to 65 years, you know, okay, fine. So, and I have, and that's true. And I'm proud of that. And that's fact. Okay. Um, the first game I saw him play, he didn't have humongous numbers. He had a good LeBron, you know, it was a 20, this and eight and seven, whatever. But the, you could see the court presence. You could see the instinct. You could see. And I said, this game for a lot of people would be one of their best games of the year. I, at the time I wrote this first time, this kid is going to be one of the, he's going to hundreds. He's going to have hundreds of games like this. And we're going to figure nobody's going to ever cite this game, but that's the impression he made of me. When I finally got to see him, it was worth the wait. I'm going at sure. you know, for me as a basketball fan. It was worth the wait to see him. Uh, all right. So I'm just put down on the side. It has nothing to do with it. Now, Luca, I went to see him play. I'm very excited. And he, he, he got his nightly 30, you know, he, he put up his usual numbers. He's, uh, the, it is a, a very similar thing. The one thing, it just seemed, I have the impression, and correct me here, help me, because uh, I, I need to see him more often now. Uh, I, LeBron does have the ball a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And and does Luca have the ball in his hands, as, uh, you know, proportionally as much as LeBron has the ball in his hands to accomplish what he does? Uh, I'm, I'm just asking. I don't know. I think he does. I, I think they're probably similar in terms of everything runs through both players. Absolutely everything. Um, again, I guess the biggest difference, Bob, would be the athleticism that came with LeBron in year two. So not only did you have the unbelievable court vision, not only did you have the the, the rebound, take it off the, off the rim and go with it, but the finishing was different. That's oh, yeah. the part that separates the two is Luke is not – an above-the-rim guy that's going to dazzle you and blow you away with thunderous dunks in the ha- you know in, in court he, in transition, right? He, you're 100% correct. LeBron is a better physical being. He's, he can do things in that regard. In this regard, 
and and I know I've seen this discussion, and I I need to take it up with the party in the second part, and I haven't done it yet. He's more bird-like, yeah. In yes. in the regard of his level of athleticism and what makes him great, and the court vision, and the instinct, and the anticipation, and the, because he does, he's you know he's he's just not that extraordinary an athlete. No, he's not a high flyer. He's, he's a basketball player, you know, and right. a basketball player, you know, and what separates LeBron is that he's a combination of everything, you know. He's, that's why he's LeBron, you know. That's why we had never seen anything quite like him. And who's he's got? He's got magic. You know, part Magic Johnson into Karl Malone's body. You know that we we that's that's who Magic. I mean, LeBron is, and there's nobody else like him. So I heard. Um, I was watching Sports Center yesterday morning, um, and I heard Tim Legler and Richard Jefferson mm-hmm. okay. were both saying that they feel like this kid Luca uh, Doncic is gonna uh, define the NBA for the next ten years. And I found it. Yes, like like I heard it, and then I thought about it, and and then they added, even with Giannis. In the NBA, they feel That's like it. this is going yeah. to be the face of the NBA for the next decade. Now he's only twenty. Giannis is a couple years older. He's not much older. He's, he's gray beard. He's fifth year already. Hard to believe, isn't it? Right. I mean, think about that. That's a strong statement. Well, you know, that's, yeah, it is a very strong statement. Um, um, barring injury, he's only going to get better. You know, really, frankly. And uh, and see things. Oh no, they, they they hit the jackpot with him. They absolutely hit the jackpot with the, with the, with, the, with Doncic. Um, and it's great. It's just wonderful to have him around. It's wonderful to have Giannis around. Uh, and it's wonderful to have these two young guards around, like Trey Young. We talk about him. It seems like every week. And 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 ja, ja Morant. And you know the, the, these fresh new faces are, are they they are going to be the guys who are going to be you know taking a torch from the current the current icons. And you know. The, the you think you think Vlade Divac is having some nightmares right now because he took Marvin Bagley at number two before Luca. Well, it, it it won't go down as the single worst decision of that no. nature. Joe Dumars, I'm afraid, has to go down in history, yep. you know, for that one uh, in recent times, right? With Darko, yep. but uh, uh, it's it, it's going to look bad. Yeah, it's going to. But the, the, this is always this always happens, you know. I mean, it's always somebody. I mean, first of all, the 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 goof, the tooty goofs, you know, was you know was it. Uh, um, uh, you know, in, in Portland, of course, you know, and, and, and they've done it twice. So, you know, this, you know, and remember, imagine not, Michael Jordan was the third pick in the draft. Not, and the first pick was universal. No one cared. Uh, yep. The first pick was, was clear. Everyone would have taken a larger one. Uh, you know, that was okay. You know. Yeah. And again, that's not a horrible pick but, by um, any means. No, but no, no, no one, Michael Jordan, you know, we didn't quite know, you know, enough. And of course, it comes back to the old, the only person who could hold Michael Jordan under 20 was Dean Smith line. You know, this is, you wonder about how much that affected, yep. that, you know, anyway, sure. Um, they're going to, uh, Vlade's going to be, you know, going to have to uh, go apologizing for that. But, you know, it, it, there's plenty, but there's plenty of historical precedent, you know, for these kind of matters. I'll put it that it's way. It's hard. It is hard to evaluate. I mean, oh. LeBron was a no-brainer. There are some no-brainers, but, you know, even looking at this year's NBA draft, we've talked a little bit about it. You know, is it going to be James Wiseman? Is it going to be uh, Anthony Edwards? Is somebody going to take a shot on LaMelo Ball? Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. Who knows? This one's pretty wide open, and these are the ones that get GMs fired because the LeBrons <laughs> – those are the easy ones. I love looking back at, like, not only who they took, but who could you have had? Who is realistic? Because some of them, again, like, Steph was never going number one. Like, no, we knew no. that. Nobody was going to take Steph Curry number one. But, but again, some people missed on him. Maybe a four or five that, um, that, that, that you look back on and you say, like, what were they thinking? You know, what were they thinking taking 
Johnny Flynn uh, that high or somebody like that. And, and uh, David <laughs> Kahn was the GM. I know. Then. I know. I remember that. He, I was rooting for David, you know, as a, everybody. As, we all were. As, a, as one of us. And I knew David quite well, you know, at the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Johnny Flynn, oh. Ricky Rubio, back-to-back point guard draft. Yeah, not his finest moment. Ricky, Ricky's starting to have. Ricky's having an okay. Solid. Year. Ricky's yeah, having a solid year. But here, I remember. I'll tell you a quick. I remember yeah. seeing him in the world. I don't know where's the World of the Olympics. They all run in my head in terms of. He was seventeen, yeah. and I said, "Oh my God!" You know that what poise, what presence. I said, "This really." He caught my eye. I was very impressed with him. The other guy, to start to talk about why I'm not a GM and why we're sitting here, you know, criticizing GMs and we're not in that chair. The, the other guy that I would have bet a lot if I had, you know, were a betting man that was going to be a great player that I saw at age 18 in the Olympics uh, playing with men. And I said, oh, my God, this kid has got something special. Wang Zizi. <laughs> Wang Zizi. And I remember thinking if Wang Zizi were uh, going to be uh, recruited by an American, the line would have gone from from Boston to Seattle. Or we're going to go in from North Dakota to Brownsville, Texas. But the, the line, they would have walked to get the, I thought I thought that's how good I thought Wang Zizi was going to be. The, ne- well, the answer. The next great thing. Wang Zizi. I whiffed on that one. I whiffed on All right. That. Well, speaking of which, speaking of whiffing, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you this on a, on a professional level. We haven't done enough of these. And we'll go back. I want to finish the pot if we can with, with Carmelo. Yes, um, I do. But, but talking about whiffing on Wang Zizi. I want to ask you the question of what's the one column that you whiffed on? What's the one column that you look back in your career and you say, like, man, I, I wish I could have had that one over. I just screwed that thing well, up. Well, not horrible. The one I was upset with, it's the, the, the one time that I, I wrote something against my better judgment to please the boss. Yeah. And I only did that once. And it was after Reggie Lewis died. And, okay. and, and, and it was about advocating that the Celtics deserve to get a compensatory pick or something for, you know, yep. Reggie, you know, and so I, the wrong, the wrong theme, the wrong I, tone. And I, yeah, I, I really didn't buy, believe it. And I, I, and I pride myself. I've been saying this for 50 years. You know, I don't write things that I don't believe. I don't write for effect. I don't write to attract attention. I write, if I write something, I believe it. And if I, if I find out that I'm wrong or if I change my mind, that's a whole other matter. And I don't mind that. I used to say, and I tell kids this when I talk about writing uh, uh, students, that the fu- some of the fun columns you write are the apology columns, you know, but apology for a judgment yep. and error, an error judgment, not not for principle and ethical judgment, you know, but I'm talking about a talent judgment. For Exhibit A, the Celtics signed Ray Williams in 1985 in the second half of the year. Okay. And Ray Williams was a, was a controversial personality to say the least he filled the box score you know which included the turnover category you know you know he always filled and he and it was he was a flamboyant talented but erratic to say the least player and you know they signed him and i just went you know yep, off yep. the deep end and horrible turned, signing oh, yep. Yep. he started he played really well so i write the apology column and the apology column was you don't believe what happened but someone came in and they then they kid they broke into my office and they took my story and they and they ruined it and or they t- and then they 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 substituted another story and put my name on it and i, I never would you know something like that some stupid yeah, yeah have fun with it you have fun with it apology column. Yes. yeah but 
thank God I, I, I really don't have any other, you know, any awful regrets that I, I, you know, the one thing that you worry about, and I call this drive-by shooting, when you go in somewhere uh, on a feature assignment, you know, particularly, you better call them the same thing sometimes, and you're, you're, you're just gleaning the whole situation on the fly, and you make instant judgments, and you don't know the truth about somebody. You don't know the backstory. You could get burned on that regard. You know, you're saying something about somebody to find out. Uh, you should have investigated a little more. You know, uh, he or he's not who you thought he was, or he's. A, you should have. You should be. You got. You're going to get burned on this one. Yeah, that that's something that can happen. Yeah. The one that I regret, uh, and I actually apologized to him when I saw him a few years ago. Uh, I crushed Tubby Smith when he was at Kentucky at the end because he couldn't recruit. He just couldn't. His staff, I felt like, wasn't very good. They weren't getting big-time players at Kentucky at all, and you could sense that the end was coming, and and I just felt like – and I was kind of not new to college basketball, but but young, young mm-hmm. and didn't know. And I come up through recruiting, and yeah. I, I forgot, Bob, to really take into account the fact that Tubby Smith did it the right way and wasn't cheating. Okay. And so it's not apples and apples here. Yeah. Right. Right. And I hammered him. I did. I hammered him saying like he should be fired because he's not getting all Americans. He's not getting these elite level guys. Well, so uh, a few years ago, I saw him at a, at a coach's first cancer uh, event down in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. And I sat next to him and it was the first thing I said to him. I said, Hey, listen, um, I just want to tell you how much I apologize and how wrong I was for writing that column because I didn't take into account um, really the context that it should have included, which was he's not getting the players, but he's not getting them largely because he's not cheating. He's not doing some of the things that, that some of the other guys are doing to get these top players. So, you know, he's still a hell of a coach and he does it in with the highest class. You know, you were down there at high point. High point, right. I'm still here with high point now. Uh, here's one I'm thinking about on the fly, and I think uh, that comes in. I have to. I think I'd be remiss if I don't bring this one up. I'm not. There's a column I wrote that a lot of people around here think I should be apologizing for, Al which Skinner. I'm not. And yep. that was the day that Al Skinner was fired at BC. Yep. And and I wrote the appraisal of Al Skinner's with that it had been a golden era of BC basketball, but it was over. And he wasn't getting, and he wasn't recruiting, and they didn't even have anybody coming in that year, you know. And his well-known work, he's the least hardworking man in showbiz, you know. So up at twelve, three on three basketball, the the assistants had the practice ready to go, but he could coach. That's right. His way, that flex, which not everybody could handle, in fact, very few could. But when they got it right, as we were talking about earlier, it, it was very effective, and the right kids. He finally found a great, the greatest group to do it, and he had a terrific year. But it was time for him to go. Well, here's all right. Now people think I was very unfair to Al. Well, a couple of things we have to talk about. Number one, well, here's the funny part. You'll love this, and other maybe any other writers out there would love this. So that happened to be the day that we were all leaving to go to the Final Four. So it's six twenty in the morning. I'm with my wife. We're on our way. I forget what city it was that year. And we're at the Dunkin' Donuts and Terminal B, and excuse me, Terminal A in oh, in, oh. in Logan Airport. And who's ambling down in my direction? Al. Al. I said to my wife, Alexa, "How did that go?" I said, "Honey, I said I'm going to get this over with right now." Yep. You know, That's smart. I got up, talked to Al, I let Al say what he wanted to say. You know, which was, you know, and I said, all I can tell you is this. I simply reflected what everybody is saying about you. I'm sorry. 
And Bob, Bob, I wrote the same column, the same column as you. I wrote, and I had seen the least hardest working man in, in, in business because I went out on the recruiting trail all the time. <laughs> I was out there every Which means you summer. didn't see the least hardest working man. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, listen, the guy could coach, but he also had a staff. Ed oh. Cool. Billy Cohen, Pasuket, Billy Cohen was a terrific coach. Eddie Cooley was a good coach and a wonderful guy. They're both wonderful guys. And Pat Duquette at UMass Lowell. That was the core, that staff on that 96 team. Yep. And Billy Cohen found him the players. We know that. And he coached them up. Yep. Give him yep. that. That's right. When he had no. the players. Well, he wasn't finding the players. Al came up to me at a, uh, play, a, a Boston, before a Boston Celtics playoff game. And came up next to, to me, and I think his line was, hey, Jeff, why are you always sweating me? No. And, <laughs> and I said, Al, listen, I was out for all those summers. I didn't see you. I didn't see you. You you were not a relentless recruiter by any means, and that's probably being kind. So I'm with you. I wrote it. You feel bad writing it, but ultimately I didn't feel wrong, and I still don't. I felt like BC basketball, they had they had been under 500 two of the last three years before he was fired. It was going in the wrong direction. Trending down. He wanted to get other big-time jobs. He didn't get it. St. John's, Rutgers, I think, were, for example. You know, the word was out, okay? The word was out. And he actually blamed me for this at one point. And we, yeah. we bumped into each other somewhere. They said, when they go on uh, online, they see your column. I said, Dow, they do their own homework. They're not going to base their judgment on what Bob Ryan wrote about you uh, as exclusively. Yeah, they're going to make some, come on, Alec, you know, stop it. You know, that's not yeah. the reason. And of course, yeah. he wound up at Kennesaw State. And, that's and, right. Which uh, was the worst spot for him because that's a job you really, really got to grind it uh, yeah. and work. And, and Al, yes, Al was yeah. not a grinder, period. A hell of a coach. Al's a, a good man. And, yes. and here's what I always said about Al, by the way. I, when he was at BC, in the height of his glory at BC, his real lot in life, he would be a terrific NBA assistant coach. 100%. Knows his basketball. He's an ex-pro. Yep. Played with Dr. J. Played in the I'm AJ. nobody had, hired him on their bench. But I think he probably had offers, but he didn't want to live that lifestyle. You don't, you don't have the, the trackers hours. You don't have yeah. to show up at 12 noon and play three-on-three with your – friends and then take a sauna and then go walk into the practice at, in the NBA. Do you? No, no. I think I bet anything he had off. Maybe. He would hey, have been Bob. A perfect addition to any staff. Bob, maybe he just didn't want to play lunchtime hoops with, with those guys. Maybe that was just too much of a step up for him. And he couldn't win those games quite as easily as he could. So the more power to him. He knew the lifestyle. I'll say this, the man, at Rhodey and at BC over a 20 year period, lived the lifestyle he wanted, had a, a, a excellent, had a lot, a lot of success, you know, I mean, and I think he's comfortable in his own skin, you know, and that's important for yeah. all of us. Again, right. good human being. Uh, I'm with you a thousand percent. I so was with you when you wrote that. So, all right, let's finish on 35 year old Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Last night. Great game winners. The ball goes to Melo. What's up? It's good. The Blazers What's win. Going Blazers on, win. The 17th, game-winning go-ahead basket of his career, all right? Uh, all right? Let me, full disclosure, and I'll take my little statement, whatever you have to say. I've never been a Mellow fan, except at Syracuse. Okay. <laughs> well, he was terrific. He did one of the great one-year jobs, one of the great carry, put a team on his back. So, in our lifetime, it may be in that category, second only to Danny and the Miracles yep. in, in, in 88. In that category. Oh, Larry Bird took him to the finals, but he didn't get it done, you know, but, but 
he got it done. Okay. All right. I've never been a big fan of his game, you know, and, and I thought last year at Houston was categorical proof, you know, but here's what I said about Melo and, and was, that his lot in life now should be the quintessential Melo was playing for the U S Olympic team in, in both 08 and 12 and at 12, they're losing. They're having trouble with Spaniard with Spain. He comes off the bench, bang, 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 bang. He hits four jumpers. And then coach cases, thank you very much. Have a seat. Now you, you did your job. We'll watch the rest of the game together, you know? And I thought that's what he should have been doing in the NBA the last couple of years. And, but meanwhile, he's starting. He's at, he's playing 32 minutes a game, and he's averaging 16.5, and he's helping that team. So, hey, you're proving yourself right, and I was wrong. Well, so, the only thing I'll say so, to that, Bob, is, is <laughs> since Portland brought him on board, uh, would you care to guess uh, their record in the 23 games he's played? 7-16, uh, and 16, I don't know. 10-13. No. and 13. Okay. 10-13. Well, maybe it would have been 7-16. So, and 16. Well, so anyway. they are what they were before Mark Mello. He can score. Listen, the thing that I think is misunderstood about Mello is, and I broke the story. Believe it or not, I was at Fenway Park when <laughs> I broke the story that Mello had committed to Syracuse. That it, it really ages me and, and, and shows what I was doing recruiting-wise back then. Uh, but I was at Fenway before a Red Sox game that I was covering. And uh, my versatility showing there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, and uh, I, I think Melo is a great kid, great guy, great guy, was a good kid. You know, I think the Melo off the court is just very different than the Melo on the court. He, he's laid back uh, off the court. Everybody likes him on the court. He, he's a ball stopper. He's a scorer. He's one dimensional. Um, you know, he, to be honest, here's my take, Bob. And I don't know if you agree with this. I don't know if he's that different than Paul Pierce was. Until KG and Ray Allen got there. I think Paul Pierce, if he didn't get KG and Ray, might have been mellow. That's a very interesting uh, observation. Yeah, I, I, certainly he broadened his game as time went on. He's, his assist totals went up, his, his, his overall court presence. That's very interesting. I like that. Better I'll defender. Have... Obviously, Paul was a better defender overall when he wanted to be. Yeah. What I'm saying is, like, Mello is kind of considered a losing NBA player. Oh, for no most question. of his career, no one-dimensional, a ball stopper. That's what Paul Pierce was in Boston for the most part until KG got there and Ray got there with his con- consummate professionalism. Oh, the two yeah. of them, then the three of them kind of you know joined forces and the whole mantra of Paul Pierce changed. No, did it not? And got him to the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Totally he, did. The, Without the KG... The trajectory that he was on was definitely not one. I mean, I sat in those Hall of Fame meetings three times, and I, you know, I don't think he would have been considered as much prior to that 07-08 season. Yeah, very good point. Right. Oh, he's you know he's a lock Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's gonna. Oh, that'll be got to got to be. Yeah. And of course, this oh. next year, of course, is the big, uh, going to be the, the the greatest class ever. And I did research this, and it is going to be the greatest class ever for the three. Really? In, in greatest a, class ever. Yeah, greatest class ever. There was a there was another one that was good, uh, but was Jordan and Stockton, and I think the third one, but not the level. And all three. What you is Duncan? Never, what is this Duncan Kobe and Garnett? Oh my God! Rank those three for me: Duncan, Kobe, Kobe uh, Garnett. Yeah, I would agree. I would um, agree. Tim Duncan's um, like the most understated, elite level player, maybe ever. Yeah. I had him on my all-time starting five until LeBron kicked him out. And we'll knock uh, him off that. Yes. Long, he and Larry are forwards, but but uh, you know 
he's that good. Absolutely. That is, no, that that's going to be. I just wonder three alpha dogs, how that sharing the spotlight of that weekend, and I'll be there in Springfield watching that. Would be very. <laughs> well, you're very, gonna you're gonna end up dozing off during Duncan's speech. I mean, let, let's be honest. Bullsus. What if he's saving up? This is the moment, you know. Probably not. You're right, but uh, you know, uh, but he, he certainly will be the most understated of three. That's for sure. But but uh, you know, KG will be fine. By the way, what, the what's movie, the over? See, Hey, the over/under on the amount of f bombs during KG's speech. Oh, twelve. No, right. No. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna need somebody to bleep that speech no, out. Oh, no, in, in that August building, the Symphony. Oh boy, that's gonna be fun. By the way, I saw KG in Uncut Gems. You know, the Adam Sandler movie. And, did, and did you and, like the movie? And I loved. I, I liked it. I, I liked. I wanted to like it more, but I liked it. I know we've had this discussion uh, privately. Yeah. And um, I remember we had a public last time we talked. Maybe we did. I don't know. But uh, anyway, but KG, not surprisingly, he plays. It's, it's typecasting, no doubt. <laughs> but he does play himself quite well. <laughs> Couldn't you play yourself, Bob? Would wouldn't you I, be just I, fine I, playing yourself in a movie? I my I have two experiences in front of a, a, a real camera, yeah. and there was and there were one, uh, you know one of them was a one liner. One I had two lines. One was cut, okay. and and the other <laughs> one. Uh, there were a few lines. Uh, there wasn't too taxing. I, I I didn't have to show a range of emotion. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know to... why you didn't get that role instead of Mike Francesa. Why why, why oh. Francesa instead oh, of I, you? But he came off pretty good. No, I wouldn't have been able to be as bombastic as. as... <laughs> you didn't look the part. Interesting <laughs> too. But I, well, believe me, you know that was. But I, I love him. You know he. It's you know can I say? And uh, our friend, local friend Gary Tangway, our friend Gary Tangway gets a cameo in. Uh, of, of uh, the NBC Sports Boston gets a cameo in Knives Out. That's awesome. I love and Gary Tangway. Sitting there going, it's Gary Tangway! And, wow. And, and yes, and cool. it was. I didn't, that movie was made in Massachusetts, Knives Out. Exactly. By the way, I didn't know Knives that. Out is flat out fun. Is it? And All right, I haven't seen Daniel it. Daniel Craig uh, deserves, a, you know, I'm just saying that there's only five. He deserves heavy consideration for an Oscar nomination for his role in Knives Out. He's really good. Okay. All right. And with that, uh, that is your, your episode and your, uh, your, your recommendation. Your recommendation uh, uh, of Knives Out. Uh, just just want a sheer good fun afternoon or evening. Go see Knives Out. Good. And with that, uh, we will see you next week on the Ryan and Goodman podcast. I think we'll both be uh, – no, you'll be gone. You'll I'll be, be in the next, next Wednesday, though. I'll be definitely back. I'm ready to go on Wednesday. Perfect. All right. Okay. We'll do it next Wednesday and uh, have a great time in New Orleans. Thank you. Don't, don't eat too much. All right. Don't eat too all much right. of that jambalaya. It's going to be hard. And go Eagles. Go Eagles. There you go. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>